This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Microsoft Teams is helping a bicycle company reinvent the way that they work. We make bicycles for everyday riders. Once the pandemic hit, we started doing virtual visits. All of a sudden, we could open up our showroom to customers around the world. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash Teams. They're going to kill the love of my life. Daisy! If I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck. Bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain, for love. Collide, in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13. Maybe inappropriate for children under 13. Welcome to the East Coast Offense Podcast, brought to you by FanDuel.com. You can go to FanDuel.com, click on the mic in the upper right-hand corner, use my code RWPOD, and sign up now. Special offer for new users. You can get a free six-month RotoWire subscription with a $25 deposit. You must sign up with my promo code RWPOD. That's more than $60 in value for just $25. Don't forget to use my code RWPOD. FanDuel.com, where every day is a new season. That's F-A-N-D-U-E-L.com. Sign up today. As usual, I'm joined by Dalton Del Don of Yahoo Sports. And we just put off this podcast until the end of the Spurs-Thunder game. And what a terrible game. I mean, even when the Spurs started coming back in the fourth quarter, Tim Duncan throwing up some bricks and then getting blocked, they just looked old and slow. And I didn't really watch earlier in the series. And it was like, this is the team that had, like, the second or third best record ever? Yeah, um, I think it was the second best point differential ever next to the this year's Warriors. But 67-win team, um, they were even favored going into tonight, despite it being in Oklahoma City and the Thunder flat-out looking better after game one in which they were, were dominated. I'm conflicted as a Warriors fan. I don't know what, what to think. I mean, part of me is like, that's pretty great. We skipped the, the Clippers, although the Blazers played their asses off. Um, and uh, now we don't get the Spurs, but this Thunder team may actually match up uh, better or, or worse for, uh, for as a Warrior fan. They will destroy us on the boards. They did during the regular season. They killed everyone on the boards. And that was before Bogut left this last game injured. I don't know. What, what do you think? I know you're just only a cursory uh, NBA fan, a DFS guy. If you, um, if you had a lot of money on the Warriors, which team would you prefer to play? I, I really am not informed to give an answer because I didn't really see the Spurs. I didn't really watch much of the playoffs. I just started watching the last game. And I watched the okay. Steph Curry. I, after I saw what I missed on Twitter, I went back the next day and you know, just Googled, uh, the, you know, just try to found the overtime and watch that. So I'm now just getting into it, and I'll probably watch a lot more. Uh, so I don't, you know, I didn't see the Spurs at their peak really playing well. So I, I don't know. I mean, obviously from what I saw tonight, yeah, you'd rather play the Spurs and you'd think, Oh, the Spurs have such an advantage in the playoffs. They can make adjustments. They're so well coached, but maybe it was the opposite. Maybe they're just old and it just took its toll and it's a long season. And those guys just weren't really, they just didn't have the energy, you know, kind of reminded me this game and of, of the giants Patriots Super Bowl, the first one, 
where the Patriots are a bunch of like old veteran guys and the Giants just beat the living shit out of them. You know, the Patriots knew what they were doing. They're well coached, but they just didn't have an answer for, you know, peak Justin Tuck, you know, you know, and OC Umanyora, like just destroying that offensive line. And that's what it reminded me of. They just didn't have the, they just didn't have the legs. Yeah, no, that's definitely the key is, is old. They, they really did look old and be careful what I wish for, because I, throughout this series, I've definitely been rooting for the thunder, but I mean, I've kind of changed my tune these last don't couple. Don't be a coward. You don't root for anything. If you win 73 games and you're the defending champs, you don't care. You just play the best. You take all comers, sure. man. What are you that, worried that, about? You're that's such fair. a nervous that's Nelly. Fair. That's fair. But here's the only, here's the only other thing I would say is if the, if this went seven games, I'd give the Warriors two more days rest. And normally I, I wouldn't say that's a big deal. But uh, Draymond Green tweaked his ankle, and he's, like, taking anti-inflammatories. And it, it might be a little bit more serious than he let, lets on because that guy will just play through anything. And Bogut left hurt, too. So, you know, that, now this series starts Monday instead of Wednesday. So that actually, you know, that, that could matter. But I hear you. I can't be, you know, I can't back down from anyone with the season they just had. If they, if they can't beat this Thunder team, right. then, then so be it. Right. Yeah, I hear you. I understand. This uh, Thunder team, by the way, um, so the Warriors were by far the best offensive uh, efficiency um, unsurprisingly, this year Thunder were second, and uh, their mark would have would have finished first last year. So this should be a hell of a high scoring series and and very entertaining for even the casual basketball fan. Yeah, and no, I'm I'm excited to watch it. You know, we were talking about this on the XM show today, but that Kevin Durant might opt out if the Thunder don't win it this year and go somewhere else and take less money to be on a contender. And I, I thought about that today. How weird that is. What do you mean going to the contender? You're Kevin Durant. You're a top 10 superstar in the NBA. You've got another top 10, maybe top five superstar in Russell Westbrook. Where are you going to go? Like, what, what, you got to make it work with you two and then figure out the rest of the pieces. I don't right. even know what well, he's thinking. What, what, two superstars is the norm. That's how you win a title. The whole thing in, in Miami, which was just a joke, you, you know, that was three. But usually it's two. It's Shaq and Kobe. Duncan and the combo of Ginobili Parker, who were each half a superstar. That's what it is, right? It's, it's you know, Jordan and Pippen. It's two superstars. Yeah, that the rumblings there were really about if they couldn't get past the Spurs. I think now, even if they lose to the Warriors, I think he's he probably would have anyway because it made sense financially just to to resign for the next what year or two, and then when that new when the new TV contracts hit in, the, he can his max deal will be even more massive. Um, but I, I hear what you're saying. The, the the other just alternative was teams like the Spurs and the Warriors could clear cap space and they could go after him, and that would just you know create a super team. But um, I believe the Thunder have now been to four of the last six conference championships. So. So yeah, I hear you. I mean, I mean, Westbrook isn't just a star; he's a superstar, arguably a top five player in the NBA. That's what so. I mean. That's your running mate, and you're Kevin Durant. You're supposed to be a star. You're the one acting like you're a star that needs a title. I mean, I don't know what you know. It's not as bad as Sam Bradford complaining that they drafted a quarterback, but it's <laughs> it's still right. ridiculous. Right. I guess Bradford's camp wanted him to go to go to Denver. But anyway, enough basketball talk. Um, I'm a huge Warrior fan, so I'm going to be a complete mess all, all this week just, just being a – if you could have a camera in my room when I watch these games or if I go with my buddies, it's it's just a – nobody wants, nobody wants to see that. Yeah, a 34-year-old 34 34 man acting like a child, it's it's going to be uh, it's going to be intense. Because I fully expect this Thunder to be – given everything – I mean, it's going to be – I think it's going to be a bloodbath. And then who, whomever gets out of this series – the, the Cavs have been on vacation for two months. I mean, I, I think the the Raptors, I think, are going to come away, uh, beat the Heat. I think they're actually going to win in Miami. And um, they're going to be easier than the Hawks. I think I think the Cavs are going to enter the finals at 12-0. They're hitting threes. Kevin Love's in, involved. I mean, Kyrie and Love. Yeah, last year in the finals, wasn't Love out? And Kyrie. They're both out. One. 
Yeah. It was like yeah. LeBron against the whole team, right? Yeah, Della, Della Denova, whatever his name is, Delhi was just fouling every being a thug, and, and they were just trying to grind it out, get through the ball in the post to James, and he would shoot with the second left in the shot clock like every right. – every- it's gonna be no, a- even a casual basketball, even you, you should tune into the, the, the Western Conference Finals and then the NBA Finals. Well, obviously, I'm gonna, obviously finals. I'm going to tune into the NBA Finals and this, and this one, too. Yeah. Okay. Um, right, I got one more thing for you. Okay, go ahead. Um, I have to give you shit about this uh, League of Leagues trade. Um, you did a great job of getting Stanton, but not only did you, you traded Lamar Miller. And so, so the, the very last fab uh, oh, stage we had. is so bad, by the way. He's so bad. We'll get to Puig in a second. The very last fab stage in baseball last year, so it's a two-year league, I just tried to add guys with upside, and one of them was Marcelo Zuna. I'm like, this guy hit whatever, 22 homers as a 22-year-old. So few people do that in Major League history. And I know he was really bad last year, and he got off to a terrible start this year. And basically ever since you traded him, I guess you, you fired him up or whatever, but since April 30th, he's raised his OPS from 706 to 852. He has four homers in 11 games, and he was just a throw-in. You gave up Lamar Miller and Ozuna essentially for Puig. What is Puig's problem? We were both higher on him than anyone in the industry. Uh, I own him throughout my entire, all my leagues. What a nightmare. Yeah, I put it this way. For the season, I thought his floor was MVP, and now I think his ceiling is keeping his job. Which, <laughs> I, you know, Vlad Seller just tweeted out. He said, you know, maybe they should send Puig down. They, they, he watched the at-bat. I guess he has Time Warner because I can't watch the Dodgers and said – it was just embarrassing, like flailing at pitches out of the strike zone and striking out in three pitches. He's just useless. Anytime there's guys on base, he's just an automatic out. He never delivers. There's something wrong with him. Now, I still believe in the skills. He's young. He's done it before. He, he's stealing some bases now and in the rare occasion that he's actually on base. So I think the whole thing is there. It's just he's not performing. And, you know, I have Buxton, who's now tearing up AAA. I picked him up in both uh, NFBC online leagues after he got dropped by people. Because he'll be up soon, I think. I think these guys, sometimes you just something's wrong and it's too hard to correct at the major league level. It sounds really weird saying Puig, who's basically been an all-star level player twice, should be sent down. But, I mean, if he has options, they should do it. It's just you can't run a guy out there that's that lost at the plate. Yeah, it's really weird, the whole Dodger team. Justin Turner finally hit his first homer the other day. I know this well because I, I bought their entire offense basically in labor. Um, uh, Justin Turner, Corey Seager hasn't got off to a great start. Adrian Gonzalez hasn't been... Very good. Um, uh, Grandal's finally back healthy. But Puig's a couple stats, and I know we always debate these what these stats mean, um, these backward-looking stats. But he leads the uh, baseball and infield. So in pop-up percentage, he's right. hitting the most pop-ups of anyone in baseball. He drew um, five walks in the first seven games this season. 25 games since, he's drawn, drawn one with 24 strikeouts. His uh, Jeff Sullivan wrote a good piece on Fangraphs about how he just swings at everything outside. No batter in baseball swings at more pitches outside away from him, so it just makes him so susceptible to inside pitches, therefore. So, yeah, it's funny because he actually has seemingly had his, turned his head on straight. That was part of the thing, you know, all the, the fluff pieces in the offseason. It sounds like he really has been, you know, a good teammate. And, and we see these rocket throws from the outfield, these sick defensive plays. But at the plate, he just seemingly continues and continues to get worse. That's why it's such bullshit, that off-the-field stuff. I mean, unless you, like, have a drug problem. I don't care what you're doing in the office. Unless you're like, I have, have an addiction to something where it's screwing up your life. I'd rather him be going out and blowing off steam. I don't like this new Puig. I don't like it at all. I have a lot of shares of him. I had a lot of shares of Buxton. I have a lot of shares of Michael Brantley, who missed a month, and now he had to sit a couple days because his shoulder wasn't bouncing back. Ideally, I don't think it's a big deal. I'm just getting used to the muscle memory or whatever it is. But 
man, I've, I've had some teams that aren't doing well because I've got two or three guys all you know, in the same boat. I also have Cameron Mabin in tout and labor, and he was coming back from his uh, yeah. wrist, broken wrist, and then hit on the wrist again during his rehab. And so then yeah. he got set back. So it's been brutal. I've got Dallas Keuchel in a couple places. He just got gave up eight runs. I, I'm not weirdly. I'm not as worried about him still because I knew that start in Boston was a, a lefty. Yeah, lefty pitching. A lefty. In he's never good on the road, even in the Cy Young year. He's going to right. Boston. They scored like 13 runs a game the last week. It Did was you bench season. him? Did you bench him in places you could? No, I haven't. No, I didn't bench him. I have him in labor. You cannot bench him there. Right. And then I have him in the main event. And I didn't. Oh, I just. Yeah, I could have benched him. I probably should have, but. I probably should have actually, in retrospect, benched him. But I'm sure had I benched him, he would have thrown a shutout. So that was the risk. Right. That's funny. I, we, we talked about last week. I told you my wife started hauling in Toronto. She benched Keuchel today in Fenway on her own. So uh, I got to give her credit She's for learning for, for that. It's a daily transaction thing, so it's a little bit tougher in your weekly thing. I, I don't think Keuchel had two starts this week, though. But no, um, he did not. But, I mean, it would, I could easily have benched him. I didn't have a great option, but I I didn't even consider it. Actually, I was thinking uh, inside the box. Right. Uh, by the way, Kershaw just finished up his game. He uh, won a complete game shutout. Three hits, one walk, 13 Ks. And in FanDuel, I just paid up for him everywhere. And Price, earlier today, had 12 Ks and six innings and a win. He gave up one run. And I was like, man, I, I use Kershaw over Price. It's unlikely he'll outdo 12 Ks and a win, right? That's no matter who you're facing. And the Mets actually can hit a little bit, although they're very left-handed. You're an underdog for Kershaw to outperform that. And, of course, he destroyed it. <laughs> he easily outperformed it. We did the uh, Yahoo Friends and Family. We did a draft starting yesterday or two days ago uh, for sort of rest-of-season rankings, I guess, a way to generate them by doing a mock. And we each took two players. So we each take two teams. I'm team one and two. You're team three and four, all the way to 11 and 12. And with team one, pick one, I took Kershaw. And I didn't even – there's nobody I would even consider in his place. Not, not only is he the number one overall pick now – He's the only one you could consider. It would be foolish and ridiculous to even take anybody else, in my opinion, at this point. Oh, I totally agree. Um, and then, yeah, you had the the easiest picks. So we each run two teams. It's kind of complicated, but there's six of us in a 12-team league, so we each get to run two different teams. So you had picks one and two, and you went Kershaw and Harper. And I just thought those were just such no-brainers. I mean, I guess there's, there's some concern about Harper just getting the Bonds treatment. So, I mean, you know, just getting walked too many times, but... To me, that those were obvious, and then I picked three and four, and I thought there was a definite decision to be made. Like, there was a drop-off there. What did you think about me going Trout and Altuve next? Well, I thought Trout was a no-brainer at three. I mean, not a no-brainer, but I would have taken him at three. But Altuve, if you could bank the stats from the start of the year, sure, no problem. Going forward, I probably would not have taken him. I mean, I'm not yeah, saying he's going to— Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, I, I didn't want to be the sucker to just, uh, you, know, ban- you know, go on who's been the best player so far at all. But I figured this guy was like a you know an early second round pick anyway. Like he hits three thirty and he's he's scoring more runs this right. year. And steals bases, so it's like, and what if the power is half for real? You know, right. he already has nine homers. It's not like I mean, even if it's just half for real. So I mean, I guess me I considered Machado there, uh, Arenado, but who both went next? But I didn't really think there was an you know a, an obvious alternative. Who would you have gone instead? I don't know. I would have to think about it, but I probably would have gone. I'm thinking Arenado. Just because yeah, he's monster god. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's just the park, and he hit 42 last year. He's still very young. I mean it's just this is just who he is now, and he could hit 46, bat 300. I mean it's just really, uh, you know, it's an easy one. But I mean, yeah, you can't really Altuve can't be a mistake because you're right. So let's say this is just a fluke, and he is just a late first, early second round pick, and you took him fourth. That's no problem. Uh, Machado, obviously, that's fine. 
Uh, on the way back, though, nobody took Scherzer, and this is before his 20 strikeout yeah, game. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I was like, eh, I'll take Scherzer. I, and I looked it up. I was like, his peripherals, I don't know why he's struggled, but I'll take him. Uh, and it's just funny. And then I took Price uh, in the fourth round before tonight's game, not that, like, one game. And, and Price's game wasn't a 20 strikeout game. It wasn't, like, some signature start that means he's definitely back. But this draft is kind of you know, it's kind of by the book. Which, don't you say, I mean, there's not really anything jumps out at me as being crazy. No, not that crazy. It's funny. I took Sale and Bumgarner right before you took Scherzer, and I strongly considered Scherzer with Bumgarner. But, um, I mean, Bumgarner's been fine. He's a yeah. horse. He's a, his velocity's been down, but his strikeout rate's actually career high. I actually just wrote a lead my stock report column last week with calling Scherzer a buy low. Not that that's anything crazy or anything, but the guy's just serving up so many homers, but everything else suggests he'll be fine. Even last year, you know, he finished, he was like one of the 15 most home runs given up, and he finished 27. Yeah, and he to the area well, in the twos. So, although he had a great, he was he was it was him, Granky and Kershaw uh, in the running for the Cy Young before Arietta just went nuts down the stretch, uh, and maybe Arietta was already in the running. It was like those four, and then Scherzer for two months just kind of got blown up and dropped out, and then it was Granky, Kershaw and, and uh, Arietta neck and neck, and you know Arietta won it, but it could have been either of the three, but Scherzer wasn't even in the running at the end, and. The overall year numbers are still very good, but they would have been as good as those guys until he got beat up. And then he's kept it going for the start of this year. So it's a little concerning when you take sort of a slump and extend it into this year. It's the same thing with Felix, right? It's not like he's gotten destroyed the way Keuchel has or the way um, Price had until this start or the way some of these guys have. But Keuchel's worrisome because he's just the strikeout to walk. His command is off. It's, it's Nothing's really good. Um, but when uh, you have a, a guy who's like Felix who fell apart down the stretch and then carried some of that into this year, you know, then it's worrisome because it's, it's not just, oh, he's off for a couple starts as a mechanical thing. It's like, no, this may be a new level. Yeah, because Felix is fundamentally a different pitcher. I mean, he's like, the thing with Scherzer is his velocity is that's actually higher than normal, his swinging strike percentage, all that stuff. I mean, the Ks are there. See, it's just his, he's just given up a ton of homers. I mean, I, I mean I'm right. not saying that. Go ahead. It started out, the first guys that did it were like Dave Bush, Ricky Nolasco, Aaron Harang for a while. Yeah. There were these extreme strike throws. They just pounded the zone. So they had these yeah. great strikeout-to-walk ratios. Bill Hughes, Michael Pineda right now. Right. I know, but this, uh, that, that's, that's, been, that's who they were their whole career, though. Right. That's who, those are those guys, right? And you started to realize, whoa, this whole sabermetric strikeout-to-walk thing is not the be-all, end-all because some of these guys should be not throwing so many strikes. And when you, throw, when you pound the strikes on, you know, you're still throwing it in the mid-90s or low-90s if you're those guys. And people are going to swing and miss. And you're not going to walk anybody because you don't throw any balls. But when people do square you up, they're going to crush it. And so those guys pitch like that. And then you have, like, David Price, who's like the rich man's version of those guys. He's right. been hit hard a lot, but he'll just have these crazy strikeout-to-walk ratios, and he's still really good. And I wonder if Scherzer is – I don't know. It almost seems like he's trading – he, he's he's trading hard contact for more strikes and more attacking the zone more. Like there's a point at which you just got to stop attacking it and throw some junk and walk a couple people. Yeah, he actually that's the thing. He actually does walk people still. I don't know. It's not, not in a weird way. He didn't, he didn't walk anybody. Yeah, this year. this year he is. It's almost like in a weird way. That's almost like a good thing. But I mean, he has like a really good defense behind him. How many home runs do you think Scherzer's given up already in 52 innings? Um, eleven. 
That is a lot of home runs. Well, so, I just wrote about him, so I should know that because he gave up two more, right, during this last out of yeah. he led. And, he, and had, one, he entered the start with the most in all of baseball. Yeah, and the one to J.D. Martinez, I mean, he was the start of the ninth inning. He's going for the record. He grooves one, and J.D. Martinez just crushes it out to center. And, and yeah. more concerning, more concerning wasn't the first one like Jose Iglesias or something, like a yeah. non-home run hitter? I mean, anybody can, you know, hit a wall scraper. I, I didn't actually see it, so I don't know how far it went over. But, you know, if you're just in the strike zone all the time, you just miss a couple inches over the plate and someone's going to crush it. And he just doesn't seem to mind. Last year, he only walked 34 guys in 228 innings. He didn't walk anybody. The year before, he'd walked far more at 63. Um, and then the year before that, 56. So he, his control – he. Didn't walk anybody last year and started giving up a lot of home runs. This year, he's walked more. He's more on his pace from the years before that, but he's still getting hit hard. I don't know. I don't want to microanalyze it too much. I mean, sometimes it's just noise. Well, it's, weird. it's just weird going from the AL to the NL. I mean, this was not a problem in Detroit. Like, I mean, he's given up more homers already in Washington than he did the previous two full seasons in Detroit. And, and Nationals Park has decreased homers by like uh, 16% over the last three years, which is the fifth most or lowest in, in baseball, too. So he has that going for him. I don't know. That was pretty sick, though. Did you watch any of that 20 strikeout? I, 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 yeah, I did watch the uh, the last inning, and you know, everyone was saying, boot the ball to Rendon so he could get his 21st. But it was still pretty good. And uh, and it was crazy because you know they left him in, and the game was still on the line. So it wasn't just like he's up 8-1, and it's just a, a fun thing. Like He right, actually had right. to be careful. If, and you know, a runner on. And he had a runner on. Yeah. Right, exactly. So it was, uh, it was, it was pretty cool. Ninety-six strikes is pretty out of control. He's just grooving in the zone, pitch after pitch after pitch, and he's got great stuff. So you know, most of the time they're swinging and missing, or if they take it, it's a strike. But man, you just like to say, you know, how about one of those pitches that you look at, like Jose Fernandez or, or some of the, Not like he's had a great start either, but when he's on or Pedro when he's on, you have a pitch that dro- the bottom drops out of it. You know, like you want some pitches that are in the dirt. That look like they're good and they drop. Don't, don't you think that's – you don't want to just go in the zone every single pitch. No, I know. that. Cha- I mean, yes, mostly he's throwing fastballs. That is true. He's getting most of his swing and misses. But, I mean, he does have a pretty good changeup. And, I mean, obviously his stuff right. is, is still pretty good. I hear what you're saying. It is pretty funny the two guys that you drafted in this draft, though, what they did, the, the outing. The day I got them. That day, later that day. First if I draft somebody price. else, use them in DFS. Yeah. Uh, we'll see which who I draft next, which pitcher. <laughs> All right, so I wanted to talk to you also, and we'll keep this one short because we're both kind of tired, um, about Black Mirror, which is the Netflix show. It's just uh, it's like the Twilight Zone, right? But it's all, it's all individual episodes, just like the Twilight Zone. I don't know how many of you are old enough to see. Did you ever watch the Twilight Zone when you were a kid? Yeah, as a kid, I have a vague, vague memory, but I mean, it's not really that good. I, it, I mean, I, I don't remember. I mean, I was a kid, but it, was scared, it scared the shit out of me, the Twilight Zone. Was the Twilight Zone the one where there was like an alien, that someone kept saying there was like an alien on the wing on that one famous one on the airplane, and, 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 and no one uh, would believe the I think person? I that was a, the, movie, then, the Twilight Zone movie, but that wasn't really that good. Like, it was okay. actually, it was a TV show. Right, 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 right. No, I know. I, know. I just remember that part. And then when they landed, the engine was all tor- was all eaten apart or whatever. But that's the only thing I remember. I think, that anyway, was the, I think that was the movie, uh, which was okay. okay. But the, the show was better. And it was just trippy stuff. It was just like Black Mirror. Like you, there's a situation and someone's in it and you're watching the characters and you don't really know the whole deal. And it's something, some twist at the end that's like very creepy or very disturbing or very screwed up for that person usually and very dark. And they had this music and it was good. It was really, I don't know. I don't. Know if it hold up today, but when I was ten, it scared the shit out of me. And I, I remember watching like on the black and white TV in my room, like at night, and just being terrified. Anyway, but the Black Mirror, um, some of them are not that good, and some of them are good. But the one with John Hamm, I think it's called White Christmas. It's like stuck with me, man. I've been thinking about that one like the last four days since I watched it. 
And I honestly, in all of Game of Thrones, which some of the worst shit happens to people, like some of the worst possible stuff, I don't think anything worse has happened than what happens to the guy uh, who was talking to John Hamm at the very end. It's not really a guy. I mean, it's compl- complicated to explain, but there's nothing worse than that. Oh, I love it. I can't remember the, the exact details because I watched this when it came out, what, a couple of years ago, but right. it's so good. I, I disagree. I actually pretty much like most, most of them. They're, they're each season's only like three episodes, but right. some are some of some of the best television ever. So, I mean, I would highly recommend Black Mirror if you haven't seen it. You could hammer it out real quick, too. There's only seven yeah. total episodes. Yeah, the, but do, do the White, uh, White Christmas first is the best one. And there are a couple other really good ones, but that one's the best. And the thing, it's so fucked up at the end when they just casually are like, eh, I just said it to you every minute is a thousand years. Okay, see you later. Let's go celebrate <laughs> Christmas. And like, that's, that's it. Like, that guy's just, that's a million years that guy's there. And then yeah, you so, did the math at Twitter. You told me you did the math, right? It's a million years. And not only that, I don't know if you remember earlier in it, like you find out what John Hamm does. And I'm, I'm giving a little away, but it's not going to make sense until you watch it. John, you find out what his job is when he's working with that woman who wants to have like that, you know, assistant to set all her stuff up. And he sets her to like, you know, three weeks when she doesn't want to do it. And then she's like argues. And then he sets her to six months. And then she's like begs to do anything. And he says to the guy, he says, yeah, you know, you don't want to really put him longer than six months because – then they just lose their mind and they're, they're totally useless and we have to sell them to the gaming industry. And then I was thinking, well, that's what I said in the Twitter. I said, they're definitely going to sell that dude to the gaming industry the next day when they're done with him. Right. Right. right? There's no way. Think about the circumstances he's in. I'm not going to say anything else because it'll give too much away. But think about the circumstance he's in. Smashing that radio every time and it gets louder each time right. he smashes it. Right. And, he, and he's got a million years. Okay. Think about what's going to be left of that guy's brain when they come in the next day. Yeah, no, no, seriously. The other really good one I like is the entire history of you, you know, with the memory implant in, in their heads. That was very good. That, that was the, probably the third best one, I thought. And the second best one was uh, White Bear. White Bear is, uh, was, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't yeah, even yeah. want to say, because that one's so premise-based. Like, that one's so, like, the you don't know what it is. And Definitely if I say don't it, it's, say anything it about away. that. Yeah, yeah, don't say anything about that. That was also very fucked up. I, yeah. I would say Game of Thrones, that's very bad. Game of Thrones stuff is worse than that. And then White Christmas is worse than Game of Thrones. What happens? <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't argue with you. All right. Definitely watch it, though. If you have not seen Black Mirror, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, again, I didn't think all of them were that good. Like, some of them were kind of like, eh. But the, the John Hamm one, White Christmas, was just, it, it's, it still blows my mind. I'm still thinking about it. I want to ask you real quick, uh, going just circling back to the League of Leagues. I know because you're probably in football magazine mode. I am. I'm curious where you have Lamar Miller ranked. Uh, I have two two football questions for you. First, that where you have Lamar Miller ranked among running backs. Okay, non PPR though, right? So that's sure. that, that's sure. what this is. And I just I hadn't done my ranks when I made that trade. Just so you know, I have him at sixth among running backs right now. Oh, oh man. Okay. All <laughs> right. Here's here's my projection. Remember, I mean. I have 244 carries for 1,133 yards and nine touchdowns and then 55 catches for 433 and two more receiving touchdowns. So you have him above Rawls. I asked that because we have I Rawls. do. I, it, okay. I thought I had Rawls ahead of him, but I hadn't even really looked at it. You know, I just – I was like, yeah, I think Rawls is better. But Rawls is coming back from the injury, and he's not going to catch as many passes. Do you have him above Freeman then, I take it? I have uh, Freeman – no, fourth. I have Freeman with okay. – quite a few uh well it's close i mean he's barely i have ezekiel elliott actually between them i have freeman elliott miller then charles then rawls then peterson i actually bet you peterson versus miller and i'm i actually ranked miller higher when i did the numbers that's funny okay that's who you have lower is peterson okay i I do i do think though that 
I'm still fine with that heads up bet because I think Peterson is a really strong chance to do what he's supposed to. Whereas Miller, who the hell knows, right? I mean, yeah, he could exactly. be great or he could just get hurt. He might not be able to hold up on their, a sustained full workload. Who knows? For sure. He's never, he hasn't done it yet. So. Yeah, I mean, he's right, kind his... of done it, but he's, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. All right. That's, that's, that's funny. That's funny that you have him that ranked that high and you did that trade and we did that bet. So that's, that's, uh, that is, that's funny to me. I, I'm high on Elliot as well. So, um, okay. My, my next question is, cause this just seemingly, I, I don't want to get into Watkins too much, but I saw you talking on Twitter and I'm, I'm all about him too. I'm high on him. But one guy I've noticed that I'm just way higher on than everyone is Doug Baldwin. Uh, I guess no one believes in what he did the second half last year. Where do, you, where do you have him among receivers? Well, okay, so I did the projections quickly, and then I, now I'm writing them up, so I'm going to adjust, you know, now, you know, because I'm doing more research, and I just can't wait till I'm done. I'm just sick of writing these things up. I, I feel bad because I want to contribute, and I like writing the Survivor article and the Beating the Book article for the magazine and all stuff, but just doing these profiles is boring as hell. But I am doing some research, and I have Baldwin 33rd right now, among receivers with Holy a, crap. with a 79558 line um, but I'm, I I did the research I, I could move him up uh, he, he had just such a massive second half but it was so touchdown driven and touchdown driven he averaged 90 yards a game he did but over 8 games I don't know man I uh, this is crazy this is going to be one yeah, of the there's no Jimmy Graham like- last year when he did that that you know Tyler Lockett's going to be in year 2 they, they really threw the ball a ton last year. I'm not sure that they're going to revert to that. They, they just, I mean, they might. They had success doing it. But. You know, there's no, there's an uncertain running back situation, and that defense should continue to regret. I mean, how long can you have a dominant defense? I mean, it would be pretty yeah. impressive. And Russell Wilson's really good. I just don't know that Baldwin's really a number one. Like I, no, I know he's not the type of guy you'd like. I mean, undrafted, here, 5'10", 190. Yeah, well, I don't mind small. I mean, you look at Antonio Brown. Here, I'll, I'll tell you what I wrote on Baldwin. Uh, you know what? Did I email it to myself? I I've been writing on my other computer, but I think I, I sent myself a copy of it. So, hang on. Let me pull this up because I did write something on on Baldwin, and I, I'm actually not – I think my projection is pretty good, like, now that I'm – now that I did the research. Like, I just kind of did it based on sort of a – you know, I, I look at last year's numbers. I think about the situation, and I kind of put something together. But then when I do more research, it kind of crystallizes. Okay, let me – here's Baldwin. Um, here's, here's the write-up. I'll read it to you. There comes a point in your draft when it's time to pick the safe guy with no upside, Right. That was more or less the case with Baldwin, who put up a predictable 31-345 two-line through eight games. But the Seahawks opened things up in the second half, and Baldwin out of nowhere channeled peak Randy Moss going 47-724-12. That 12 was in eight weeks, by the way. In weeks 10 through 17, in fact, prorated for full season, his second half yields 94 catches for 1,448 yards and 24 touchdowns. So 5'10", 189, and 448 speed, Baldwin will not be mistaken for Moss in real life, and actually Baldwin's league-leading efficiency most efficient receiver in the NFL, 10.4 yards per target, was based on an ungodly 77% catch rate rather than big plays. His 13.7 yards per catch was solid but nothing special, and he had only three catches of 40 40 or more yards. Moreover, despite tying for the lead league with 14 touchdowns, Baldwin saw only 17 red zone looks and five targets inside the 10. Bottom line, this breakout doesn't seem sustainable, even if Seattle lets superstar quarterback Russell Wilson continue to open it up. So that was my thing is that it, he he did not make big plays and he did not get a ton of red zone looks, yet he scored a ton of touchdowns, and that just does not strike me as sustainable. That's funny that I asked you that because I noticed that I was way higher on him than most, and you said 33. I, that, I mean, that is just like – that is even way Am I lower. way lower than most? Well, I, I don't know about most, but then I, the, from what I expected, I mean, maybe – 
let's put it this way. As of if the drafts were held now, he'd be on every single one of my teams. <laughs> let's put it that way, based on my rankings versus I just, the rest. I just but. don't think he's the guy that – I don't think he's Antonio Brown. I don't think he's the guy that's everywhere catching everything. I don't think he's Antonio Brown either, but I, and, and I've he, and him. I think – I don't know. I, I he, don't just, know. he just has such crazy efficiency, but the only guys who get 10 yards per target – are the Deshaun Jacksons and Jordy Nelsons, the guys who strike for bombs, right? The guys who – there's no, no possession receiver gets 10 yards a target. They get eight yards a target. This is just crazy what he did. It, well, I, I will admit that he's not going to keep his 24 touchdown pace. Well, no, no. I mean, you don't need that. You just need 10. Right. You just need 10 touchdowns and, and 11 or 1,200 yards, and you'll make money. Well, he's, he's number 12 on my receiver board right now. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, even, I don't see that. Um, okay. All right. I think it's just – it was just the situation. Remember, Jimmy Graham should be back. I know it was, oh, know, it was kind of serious. Oh, come on. First of all, he was terrible. They got better when he when he left. He was terrible before. He's coming off a of patella, right? Yeah, that's true. I mean – I don't – I wouldn't – no. I, I don't have Jimmy Graham as a top 15 They tight re-signed end. Javon Curse. I mean, not Javon Curse. Jermaine Curse. Javon Curse. That guy was awesome, though, at his peak. Uh, and – and I'd they, be more worried if it was Javon Curse cutting his target. <laughs> You'd be more worried, right? <laughs> Jermaine Curse is garbage. But no, they, all those guys, though, were the same. I mean, it's Baldwin, Curse, Lockett. They just throw to whoever. They don't really, you know, that was a, a crazy run he had. But I have, you know, do you have him ahead of like Amari Cooper? I have Amari Cooper at 15. Yeah, I mean, I might lower him, especially. Do you have him ahead of Jordy Nelson? I have J- Jordy Nelson at 14. No, I have Jordy Nelson ahead of him, actually. You have him ahead of Brandon I, Cooks? I really like Brandon Cooks. I have him back to back. I have them back to back. See, I have Brandon Cooks way ahead. Brandon Cooks. I love Brandon Cooks. Yeah, I had him okay. in, um, in. You have him ahead of Alshon Jeffrey. I do. Just be. I love Jeffrey, but that guy. I, I'm officially. He just gets hurt. His tissue. He just gets hurt every year. He's. Yeah. I'm gonna have him lower he's than most. I, before the season starts, I'm all in. That guy's awesome. That guy always produces when he's on the field. He's really, really good. Yeah. And yeah. then Demarius. I have Demarius Thomas always. ahead of them. Demarius Thomas had a terrible year. No, but, no, I do not have Demarius Thomas ahead of him. No. Demarius Thomas had a terrible year, but he's. I mean. There's no way. The only the only thing I'm worried about is that Denver just goes into a shell and becomes like the Vikings. They just play D and run it, don't even throw anymore. But they only have two receivers. They don't have a tight end. I don't know how much they're going to throw to their backs. It, I mean, the only, would, pe- the only I, people that are going to catch the ball are Thomas and Sanders. I just prefer Russell Wilson throwing the ball than um, Mark Sanchez, but maybe that's just me. Yeah, Mark Sanchez is garbage, but still. Demarius Thomas is just a whole different level, although he's getting a little older and slowing down a little bit. But Peyton was awful last year. You know, Demarius Thomas still had like 1,300 yards and 100 and something catches last yeah. year. Yeah, yeah. All right, we're going to have to work on some we'll, Baldwin. We'll, we'll talk about football later. Yeah, we'll do yeah. Baldwin. I mean, yeah. you could be right, but I don't know. I may move him up slightly. I'd have him too high and have him too low. It's probably the answer, probably. Almost certainly, the, especially you having him too high. I may be a little low. <laughs> 33 is just – that's like insane. I mean, I'm looking at who I have ahead of him. That I mean, Emmanuel Sanders, maybe that's pushing it. Do you, wanna, do you want to bet $100 right now he's a uh, top 20 um, wide receiver? And I have some guys that, that i got to switch now that I've done more. Like, like I have Stephon Diggs way too high. He's garbage. I'm going to move him down. Oh, he's terrible. He's terrible. And then uh, – but I have Devontae Parker ahead of him. I mean, I like Devontae – I think I like Devontae Parker more. I like Parker. I'm not, I, I like Parker. Yeah. And I probably have Michael Floyd too high too. I always I'm an apologist for Michael Floyd. I really like Floyd too. Yeah. But it's just, like they don't they don't really use him properly. And then Jordan Matthews I'm gonna probably lower also because I didn't I just wrote up his I just did his write up and you know, it's such a bad situation there. You have Sam Bradford who sucks, and then you have Carson Wentz, who's a rookie, who's probably gonna take over and have to be broken in at some point. And then you got the coach, Doug Peterson, who was the yeah. Chiefs offensive coordinator in that dink and dunk garbage offense. 
Yeah. It's just not a good situation. You know who could be a monster? Um, then we'll stop football, I promise. Uh, Golden Tate. Oh, you see, I, I just did the write-up on him, too. Golden Tate uh, was terrible last year. He averaged six, He used to average like 9 or 10 yards a target. He was a real big play guy in Seattle and then also uh, in Detroit his first year. Last year, he averaged 6.4 yards per target, 9.8 yards per catch. Out of the 6.4 30, yards is pretty terrible. Out, yeah. out of the 3,200 target receivers, receivers who had 100 targets or more, he was 31st in efficiency. The only guy who was worse was Michael Crabtree on the Raiders. I mean, he's going to get targets, but it's just garbage. That, that Yeah, whole... Stafford's never been known for his efficiency. Uh, no, he, and, he, and he had, they had Calvin there. Once Calvin collapsed and they didn't care about Calvin, Golden Tate fell apart too. No, but he put up monster lines the year before when Calvin didn't play altogether, and it wasn't just a decoy. He put up huge numbers. And when Jim Bob Cooter took over after that uh, London game, Stafford was awesome. He actually put up big numbers. I don't know. I think Tate's could, could see a yeah, bunch Golden of Golden Tate's numbers, that's baked in. Like, that 6.4 includes those, you know, those last games of the yeah. season. He's going he's gonna to catch 90 passes. I mean, you'll get PPR. He's got a good floor, right? I mean, yeah, he, I mean, they're, obviously they're the Lions. They can't ever run the ball. And I mean, I guess Marvin Tate, Jones. Tate had, I mean, he had a couple two-touchdown games. I mean, he had, like, no touchdowns all year until he had one touchdown until week 12. Where do you have him ranked? Um, pretty low. And then he had two touchdowns. Oh, maybe not that low, but I, I'll probably rank him lower now that I've done the more research. But he had two two-touchdown games, but there were nine catches for 60 and six catches for 45. So he didn't even blow up at the end. Right. So maybe maybe PPR will be a big difference with him. I think that like, they're going to throw a ton of those running backs, Riddick and uh, Abdullah, and then Eric Ebron might become a factor. So I, I don't think – I don't really know that Tate – We'll see. He'll be okay. He'll catch a lot of passes because they just don't have any depth. It's him and, and Marvin Jones. Where is Golden Tate here? I gotta look. I guess I have him higher than I than the write up. Wow, I have him at sixteen, but I'm gonna move him down to about twenty two. <laughs> That's funny. I actually have him even. I like him, and I have him a little. No, early. no, I'm gonna move him down to like twenty two <laughs> or twenty. I mean, he, he's got a really high floor with just the catches. I have him for ninety seven catches. Right. So. Oh yeah, he's gonna get a ton of targets. Yeah, I just have him with too many yards per target. I didn't realize how bad he was last year until I yeah. did the write up. Yeah. Okay. Right. So we'll talk football and some more. You know, we'll start transitioning a little bit into football. Real quick, I just had a couple thoughts. First off, I wrote a uh, blog post on Medium uh, about politics. It was the first one I've done. Did you ever, Did you happen to see that? I, I did read it. Yes. Okay. And uh, we'll talk about that in a second. The other thing I saw. Um, was uh, Jenk Uger on the Young Turks. He was talking about how he thinks Hillary is going to get indicted. And the reason he started thinking that uh, is twofold. One is they started, Joe Biden started talking about that he would make a great president and that he, he would pick Elizabeth Warren as a running mate, which, you know, maybe he's just saying that because he's trying to say, well, Hillary should pick her. So I, you know, if I were her, I'd pick her. That, that's what he means. But he's starting to talk about it. And the establishment were Hillary to get indicted, probably would not back Bernie. They don't like Bernie. They would probably want someone like Biden to step in, which would be a disaster, by the way, to, for, for, to try to just foist that on, on everybody. But I think – so the fact that he's starting to talk about it is a little bit of a tell. And the other thing – he said it twice. He said it one day. He was speculating on it, and the next day he said something about uh, Elizabeth Warren. And then they asked James Comey, the FBI director, what, what the status of the investigation was, and he said, well, you know, we're not going to rush it. We're going to – take whatever time it needs. And, and Hillary Clinton has um, described the investigation as a security review. And he's like, there's no such thing as that. No, this is an investigation. That's what we do. <laughs> he's like, that, what she said, that's not even true. 
She's, we're not doing a security inquiry. We're doing an investigation. So it's not like definitely or 100%, but it reminds me of uh, – you remember that year, a couple of years ago, Ryan Braun, his name came up with – it wasn't Balco. What was the other lab that like a bunch of guys got busted for and Braun's name was involved in? Yeah, I forgot what that, uh, forgot what that was called. His name was in some documents, and he had gotten off a couple of years earlier when there was like a chain of custody issue with his urine. They couldn't you know, prove that – it was his because they had lost custody Biogenesis. of it. Biogenesis. 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 Okay. Biogenesis. So he had already gotten off and kind of got away with one. And so then his name surfaces on this biogenesis list. And he was a top three pick. It was him, Trout, and Cabrera. Remember that? It was, I think it was 2013. Right. And we had – it was Tom Kastanik or somebody from you know, Brewers, you know, a guy in, in Milwaukee or Wisconsin. And I was like, you're not worried about this Braun biogenesis thing? And I remember he was just like, nah, come on. Nobody, and nobody was worried about it. Everyone was just like, nah, he's not going to get suspended. Come on. His name is rumored to be in this thing. And I was like, it's like a 0% chance. I mean, isn't there there's some chance he gets suspended? And, of course, like a week later, he's suspended for 50 games. And I, right. it's just like that, man. It's like everyone's just discounting this thing like, oh, no. And think about this. If you were running for president and there was this possibility, even if it was 50%, well, let's just say it was 20%, whatever. How would you play it if you were her? What do you mean? I mean, you wouldn't be like, oh, I don't know. I hope they don't get me. What would, oh, right. You like, just act like oh, it's, it's not, nothing. It's not a, a, you'd say it's a, you know, it's a 0% chance. Yeah, you'd be like, There's a, oh, this is ridiculous. This is going to, I'll be, of course, they're going to look into it. Nothing's been done. You would just act like, like it was nothing, right? And so then the media is like, yeah, it's ridiculous to think this is anything. But what, that doesn't mean that it's not anything. There's actual real inv- FBI agents, 12 of them, pouring through this stuff to see if there's something there. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're, they are officially investigating. FBI is investigating it, right? Yeah, but like hardcore investigating. They're, they're, I mean, the idea that there's no possible way they'll indict her to me seems – that's far-fetched. I think there's obviously some possibility, and nobody seems to know – exactly what that percent is but it's not a zero. most people are treating it like it's a zero percent chance that's right. right like oh, ryan braun he'll, he's not gonna get suspended come on everyone's saying that why why were they saying that why were they so sure about that right it was just right. because it was just it just nobody else was worried about it it just didn't seem like it was likely and so why think about it it doesn't make it go away so that was one thing okay and the other thing was just my the, the article. I, I posted that, and I got some responses. And this woman who was very civil and nice about it said she was a Clinton supporter, and she disagrees. And, and, and I said, well, Clinton supporters basically want to make the argument about who's realistic, not about what policy is better, because they lose on policy. If you're a Democrat, you probably agree with all of Bernie's policies, right, or most of them. It seems, it seems like most do, yes. Right? Like if you're a Democrat and you think, well, do you think – Healthcare should be something that everybody gets. If they're sick, right. most of the arguments that Hillary supporters, from at least people I've come across or, or seen or read or whatever, it doesn't seem like their problem is 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 policy wise. But they have different. But she has different policies than he does, right? So it's sort of like if you're for Hillary, you, you and and you ask somebody, well, would you rather have universal health care where it's cheaper for everybody collectively because they pay half the price in France and a third of the price in England? And, and everybody can get it if they need it, and you don't have to be bankrupted by it. Or would you think we should do this Obamacare thing with, like, deductibles and copay? Most of them will say, I think I would just, in a vacuum, all things being equal, I'd rather have universal health care, right? Right. I, mean, I think. I mean, I would assume most Hillary supporters would rather have his policy. I would, and, I would think. And, like, you know, do you think marijuana should be legal, or do you think people should still be going to jail for it? I'd lock them up and throw away the key. Yeah, right. 
No, but seriously, I think most people would just be like, yeah, of course it should be legal. It's ridiculous. At this stage, I would hope every, I would hope everyone would think that. But just like, like, like we just shouldn't be putting on. human beings in jail for smoking weed. And, and then, and then, then the other the other questions are like, well, what about you know, should we be like invading, bombing other countries? <laughs> you know, most Democrats are like, no, we really shouldn't be doing that unless they're an imminent threat to us. Right. So on policy, they lose the argument. They actually prefer his policies. So the whole article was like, well, then why do they actually support her? Like what possible, you know, if you prefer the other person's policy, well, he's not realistic. Get real. Right. That's the argument. That's pivoting off of, I'm going to choose a person with worse policies because it makes me feel more realistic or more grown up to prefer that person. But it's like, you just still, it doesn't matter whether they're real or not. It matters is you would fight for the policies you want and then whatever ends up happening happens. Right. But instead they're like, no, we're not even going to fight for what we want because we're realistic people. That's sort of a weird pivot. If they prefer his policies, the way they justify their support of her, which is ridiculous because you prefer the other person's policy is, well, no, well, she's more realistic. He's never going to get that done. You know, we're the reality, you know, she's the reality based candidate, but it's weird because you would think, why not just ask for the policies you really want and you may get them or you may not. And then you'll compromise or negotiate. Why would you take off the table the policies you actually want most and then credit yourself with being realistic in advance? Isn't that kind of stupid? Yeah, I know you laid out a lot of uh, interesting um, ideas in this art- article. So, um, so, so that's their pivot. They're like, we're losing on policy. So there's no way I can ar- argue she's better on policy because they don't believe that. So instead they say, yeah, but those policies will never happen. Never mind that even Obama's modest compromise policies got rejected just as much. Those policies, they, they, just, they, they decide to, to embrace the realism card instead of the actual policies they want. Okay, and so then... I wrote that article on this woman, smart woman, said, I'm for Hillary, but not because she's more realistic. I agree. Like, they're both, you know, we'll see what happens. But I'm, I, I think she, I like her way of going about it better. I think they both, I said, you mean you, you think they have the same policies, but she just goes about it better? And she's like, yeah. I'm like, but they're not the same policies. Like, universal health care versus this bullshit copay Obamacare garbage. It's not the same thing. Well, okay, let's let's move forward here. But forget the um, the the indictment and the um, the difference between Bernie and Hillary supporters. Um, what are what are Bernie's chances now? What needs to, is it, are, you, are you is it, you counting on the indictment or like what what's well, going to happen next? I mean, what, indictment. California? I think it's game over, right? I mean, I don't think right. I think it's over. Right, but are you counting on that? I mean, is there? Is there I mean, a, I think that's like one out, right? It's like poker, right? I've got I'm drawn to a flush, but then I also have high pair, and if I get an, you know, there's a bunch of different outs, and. Obviously, the the big one where you know you got the nuts is if she gets indicted, but there's still other outs, which is he runs the table the rest of the way and crushes in California like 60-40, and then – I mean it's pretty obvious what would happen if he crushes the rest of the way, even if he gets to like 60% and he needs 66, and so he's like 60 delegates short or whatever – and but he's won all of the re- you know so many in a row. Then when I'm in, let's say nationally, he's polling four points ahead of her. He's polling way better than her against Trump, which he already is. Trump is now neck and neck with Hillary. It's very dangerous for them to nominate Hillary against her because she could easily lose, especially if the shoe drops. If the investigation is not finished by the time the Democratic primary is over, what if the other shoe drops in September? Right, that's a disaster. So I think there may be a case if he really crushes it. Um, and all the numbers are in his favor to make to the superdelegates because that's really what they're for, right? They're, they're there to say, okay, the public wants this, but this is super close anyway. And 
it's just we're not stupid. We're not going to nominate a loser. Now, I don't think they're smart enough to do that. I actually think what they're really there for is to protect the establishment, which doesn't bode well for him. But at least some of them, or there will be a case to be made that we don't want to lose to Trump. I have come across a couple articles in the past couple of days, and who knows? It's all bullshit. But um, but I, what, what they have claimed is that some Democrats are shifting and, and telling people that now that it's clear or obvious that Trump will be the, the you know, the, the opposition, that Bernie has a better chance of, of beating him and they should change their attention toward him over Hillary. I actually have seen some movement, at least in some media area. So, I, you know, I just think everyone needs to vote and just crush it and keep having him crush. And then we'll see what happens. But I don't think she's president, man. I think you're going to lose that hundred bucks to me. She's weak. She's just not a good candidate. She's not authentic. She's not convincing. She's got so much baggage. She takes money from Wall Street, from the fossil fuel industry. She's disliked. She's reviled by the Republicans. are going to come out just to vote against her. Independents don't like her. I just don't think she's going to be president, man. I, I look at her and I see no charisma. No, you know, usually the guys, even if it's like Bush and he's kind of dumb, he had a kind of charisma and like a swagger to him. I, I don't I just don't see her as winning. I just don't think she can. I don't think I've asked you this, and then we got to get out of here. One, yeah. one more thing yeah. um, is: uh, Have you seen the the kind of rumblings that um, that Bernie said he would not, um, he would consider uh, being her VP if she asked? Yeah, I don't know. I think that's all crap. I think it's all just for. I, I doubt she would ask, and I doubt he would accept okay. that way. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree. It just makes no sense. It makes no sense. I agree. Okay. All right. All right. But there has been like a CNN report, like whatever, trying to make CNN that is thing. a fucking joke. I mean, those outlets are a fucking joke. If you want real news, go to the intercept. Even the New York times has been a joke. The intercept is an excellent outlet. They do real journalism. And then uh, online TYT, the young Turks does really good coverage of the election. All this other stuff is just so it's not even annoying. They've lost their way, man. They've just lost their way. All right, man. All right. Uh, you've lost your way. You've lost your way a long time ago. I so. lost my way a long time ago, but you're still going to lose some money. All right. That's good. I'll talk to you next week, man. All right. Later, Liz. This podcast is brought to you by FanDuel.com. You can go to FanDuel.com, click on the mic in the upper right-hand corner, use my code RWPOD, sign up now. Special offer for new users. Get a free six-month RotoWire subscription with a $25 deposit. You must sign up with my promo code RWPOD. It's more than $60 in value for just $25. Bucks. Don't forget to use my code RWPOD. FanDuel.com. Every day is a new season. That's F-A-N-D-U-E-L dot com. Sign up today. They're going to kill the love of my life. Casey! If I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck. Bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain, for love. Collide, in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13.